Today's episode of The Shift We Shay is recorded on Gadigal land. We acknowledge and pay respects to the traditional custodians of the land, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the podcast, The Shift With Shay. I'm Shay, the host of this show, and today I'm joined by fellow nurse, Sarah Webb. Sarah started at Warren MPS as a new grad and then never left, instead choosing to build her career and her life in the small town of Warren, situated almost seven hours from Sydney. Sarah's passionate about her community and about improving regional health, starting with greater investment in MPSs and in their nurses. Welcome to The Shift, Sarah. It's great to have you. Hi, Shay. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's awesome. So look, let's kick off. Tell us a bit about what got you into nursing in the first place. Uh, I, I think it's always been a born passion that I actually uh, was yeah, definitely born with. I come from a family of nurses. Uh, my grandmother was a nurse. My aunties are nurses. My cousins are nurses and all over international Um and then my mother actually, after I became a nurse, became a nurse herself um, through pure inspiration, which was lovely. Wow. So yeah, definitely um, since a child, I've known no other career, but wanting to become a nurse. And so growing up with all of those, I'm assuming women mostly is what you've spoken about, but people in your lives who are connected in the nursing profession, what did you see as a kid? What, what were you sort oh, of observing was- and hearing about? I was born into a very caring, loving, you know, very women-orientated family. So, you know, I was always doted on my, you know, cuddles and touch and very, you know, I think I've always been in a, yeah, lovely environment. So it was really the nature of my growing up in my profession and it's developed me into who I am today. Yeah, wow. So um, obviously watching family members head off to shift work and things like that were just part and parcel of your daily life. Yeah, well, actually, I was, um, so my father was a farmer. So we were born, so I lived at 40 kilometres out of Condoblin as a Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. That's in regional New South Wales, further out. Uh, And so that's right, you know, always going to work, mum going to work. Um, and that's right that was just part of the daily lifestyle as my children have always also learned yeah and learned the same as me that you know it shift work is just the norm and we work around that we're quite adaptable as nurses and so are our children yeah it's incredible isn't it we um, breed them tough I reckon we definitely <laughs> do <laughs> so tell us a bit about you're at Warren you were just saying um, central New South Wales tell us a bit about where Warren is what it looks like what life's like in Warren oh life in Warren is lovely um, definitely I've invested my life into it so I moved out to Warren um, on my first ever placement uh, obviously from Kendoblin went on placement and never left I just as soon as I walked into that town so positive everybody knows you as soon as I walked into the grocery shop everyone knew I wasn't a local (laughs) (laughs) the eyes were peering and um you know they were just so excited to take me places and show me things and just give me the opportunities that I would never have got anywhere else and I just loved it the nurses were amazing uh just so warming to me without knowing that I wanted to stay there and that was going to be the path that my life took Mm. um and yeah, so I did my placement and then I just rang my mum. I remember I was I was 18 years of age on my first placement. I said, Mum, I'm not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I found my place. And I think she was a little bit um, unsettled, but she she could see how happy I was. Oh wow. Um, yeah, like the hospital, 
it's just such a positive place to be um, with the staff. The staff are just such a team. And I love that. Like you don't, I haven't found that anywhere else that I have found at Warren. Yeah, wow. So tell us about the team. Tell us about, you know, what's Warren like in terms of a service at MPS? You know, so, okay, so that's right. For people that don't know, um, we're a multi-purpose health service centre. So we are obviously very multi-tooled. Um, we have services from like, if I'm on the if I'm in the hospital that day, I could be looking after an aged care patient, an acute patient, a pediatric patient, um, an emergency patient, a VC for someone that might be seeing a cardiologist in Sydney from Warren. Uh, I could be, you know, <laughs> I could be doing the mechanics at the back trying to fix the oxygen system. I, there's so many things that I could be doing in in my day. And that's what many, I love. How many beds? How's it set up? 40. So it's 42 bed facility. Yeah. And it's got uh, 34 aged care. It's got eight. Oh, oh yeah. It's got uh, eight, eight uh, acute. And it's yep. got uh, two ED, a COVID room. And the two ED is sort of, you know, it's never obviously two. We've got people in the waiting room and it's quite a busy ED, especially yep. after COVID. But yep. yeah, so it's quite, and we also have, four consult rooms for community. We have um, an Aboriginal liaison worker that's bringing clients in. You know, we've got lots of different rooms. So, and we have input into all of those. Even our community, the girls will come down and ask us for input and yeah. vice versa. We ask them, we're a team and we definitely utilise the skills that we need to get the best outcome for our clients because obviously most of them are known to us and yeah. we not only just treat them, but with a personal touch. And that's what I love about nursing in rural and remote areas. So tell me about that. And I'm just going to be really upfront as a bit of a city slicker uh, growing up in the city. The one thing I found really interesting when I started to work more regionally and, you know, organise in a lot of regional towns was that kind of crossover of patients who are your community and you know them as well. Talk about that experience for me and what that's been like. So like them coming into the hospital that I know, do you mean? Yeah, yeah. so it's 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 great. Like I, I love walking into the eating like, oh, you know, it's so good to see you. What are you doing here? Like, oh, you know, obviously they're sick and it's, it's lovely to be the person that cares for that person, knowing them. Um, and, you know, we obviously go far and beyond for our patients. And as soon as they come in, they feel safe. Um, it's that extra safeness knowing that we're there and um, we, I I suppose in the town, like being there for so long now, I've been there for, you know, 14, 15 years. So we have a rapport in the town where people know us. Mm. You know, I'll go over to the hospital, um, you know, Sarah's going to be there or, you know, the nurses will be there and, and they'll look after you. Yeah. And that's all they have to know and they'll go. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have that general respect in the town as a profession. Yeah, like, I just found it really interesting because it's sort of like there's no separation between your work. No, like, and like I had like a story you which you would have read. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had, you know, I had a, a patient come in who hardworking, and he had had an MI and quite a significant MI, mm -hmm. and he had to go to Sydney but did not want to go because he hadn't fed his horses and needed to pack a bag for his son. And you know what, little old Sarah, we covered the shift and we went out there and we fed those horses <laughs> because I knew that if this patient didn't go, his quality of life would not be the same. Yeah. So, you know, it was, 
and it was quite fun. The bosses were quite accommodating. Um, Polly the horse wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the things that we do for our clients and our patients because we can and 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 we embrace that. Yeah. And, and they're very respectful of that as patients. And I think it's just really, you know, we talk about patient-centered care quite a bit, but when you live in a community where you know that patient as, a, you know, a friend or a, a, you know, a neighbor or a family member or whatever, like you kind of actually take patient-centered care to this whole other level when yeah. you're just kind of all part of that same community as well, which I think is really remarkable um, and quite interesting to sort of, observe as someone who doesn't you know live in a community like that and never has like it's really unique and pretty special that's right so like even our agency nurses that come out are blown away I feel like and you we take this as normal because that's it we live and breathe it we live and breathe um the personal touches and the extra assessments and just even our multitasking in our day like you know what is a nurse's job and what is an MPS nurse's job um you know working on a ward compared to working at an MPS it's quite uh, vast our role and yeah. I really don't think you can label and detail what our role is because it can be anything on a daily basis yeah. and anything from feeding a horse to um, you know making uh, lockups and security and occupational therapy and making sure the patient gets the right diet like so dietitian and yeah it's so many roles so yeah you can't label it but it's quite it's enjoyable and I feel like these agency nurses come and get a taste of it and they want to come back. Yeah. We've had a lot of, you know, obviously staffing is an ongoing issue um, and we do have things that, you know, as a general, all NPSs are in the same boat, but um, there are a lot of positives to coming out to NPSs and I feel like if you really want to try and test your skills and learn, um, and, you know, we're quite autonomous as well, like on night shift, I do a lot of nights. And it's really you and your nurses, your team, and you work together. And some of the cases that we get in and, and send off and retrieve, it's quite rewarding to know that you did that and yeah. you did a good job. And um, you as you know, you might be working virtually on a camera and you've got to have those skills, the A to G assessment, and you've got to have you brush up on them. And so and just, then, I'm gonna stop you for a second. For someone that comes in who is, you know, really acutely unwell, unstable. Do you have doctors on site 24-7? No, so our doctors, or they, we have a doctor on call 24-7, yeah. but from 8 till 8, they only come in for ones and twos. Yeah, so take and, us through what happens. For someone that comes in who's, you know, category one, category two, what yeah. happens when you triage them and what do you need to do? So a triage one or a two, is definitely if we have a doctor they would they would come in the same but we have one doctor it's not a team it's just yep. one VMO and he has to control the entire room yeah um and you might have on a night shift we'll have three nurses we're very lucky um mm -hmm. since the pandemic we were given an extra nurse um so that they will also be in that team helping so we're very lucky but um when we if it's a triage three you know obviously there's the gray line so three we can't call in our doctor yeah. Uh, so therefore it's nurse led and mm -hmm. we use the virtual cameras. Mm -hmm. So we have a system called vCare, which mm -hmm. is the, um, they're a virtual care system that uh, have doctors that will initiate cares and they can access the notes and the power chart. But unfortunately, pre-Christmas, uh, they're, they're also struggling to get doctors. So that's 
service closes at 11 o'clock and opens again at eight. Mm. So we're directed to Erin Medical and Nets. So, you know, it's again, going back to, you know, 10 years ago when we did have to do it on the phone and there was no cameras and they really went off your your strong skills of observation and your their eyes and their hands. And it's quite good to learn those skills. Like I think we forget, you know, I have done 12 months at Dubbo in G Ward and mm -hmm. I loved it mm -hmm. and the general ward. And, you know, you forget like you can press a button and let a team come and, they take over when the patient's not between the flags or, you know, they can just go off for an X-ray or, and, you know, and you don't have that at Warren. Like, you know, the closest X-ray is 120 kilometres one way. Mm -hmm. So you have to really use your hands and your eyes and your nose or your senses. All They're those really, assessment critical thinking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you have to triage. And it's, you know, if you're an adrenaline junkie and you really love hands-on and getting in there and problem solving, this is the job for you. Like, um, so I've got the, you know, some skills also, um, working in a remote place, you know, I, I wouldn't just dive in fresh. Like there's some skills that would really, obviously you'd be supported, but the skills that would be quite uh, beneficial to work remote in an area like I work would be your first line emergency critical care course. That's very good. Yeah. Um, and definitely being triage trained and being confident in triage training. Yeah. You know, that would definitely be a really big benefit to work here. Yeah, yeah. sure. So tell me a bit more about some of the, um, you know, I guess you've, you've touched a little bit on like there's incredible benefits in working in a small community and a small NPS. It's clearly some challenges. You touched a little bit on that. So staffing's been a bit tricky and you kind of have to be a bit of a, you know, bit of a jack of all trades because you're across everything. You're working in aged care, you're doing a bit of ED, a bit of peds. Talk me a bit through what are some of the other challenges? Um, and it sounds like you've turned a lot of the challenges into opportunities. To some yeah. <laughs> I'm keen to kind of hear a bit more about that as well. So that's right. We challenges, obviously staffing is a definite challenge at the moment. Like we, we're down, I know in February we were down at least six FTE and that might not sound much for a large hospital, but for a small facility, when you've only got six staff on a morning shift, yeah. uh, that is quite, you know, that's six staff on a morning shift and we're down six. Yeah. Um, so it is challenging, you know, even for the management to try and provide us with leave, it's really, really difficult uh another challenge security that's right security is challenging at the moment we do not have security mm. and that's you know in 2023 for a hospital an mps not to have security like others do mm. and then some do it's really it's really hard like so we have that have to extra you know that extra care for each other to know where we are because our hospital is quite a large hospital mm. and geographically we are isolated from each other at times. So it's really important to know where we know where we are and I know where my other nurse is. And if we're in ED, you know, it's always, I might be looking after a patient in age care, but I'm always mindful of where that nurse is in the emergency department because I'm concerned, yeah. um, but I can't leave that patient that's in the age care at the same time. Yeah. So there is security you know, and we have, there is security um, issues, which are ongoing. Mm. And we're obviously fighting for ratios and we're yeah. fighting for these things, which is great because that's our, you know, that's our um, our hope is through you guys 
producing these for us, which is just fantastic. And a lot of those opportunities, I think, to improve staffing for sure. I just, for me, I think, you know, for listeners who have never worked regionally, there's just so much that's really unique. The thing um, I remember having a conversation with you many months ago, and the thing that struck me was like, not only are you the nurse, the dietitian, the social worker, uh, the doctor at times, you know, the admin, you're also the person that has to take the rubbish to the tip. (laughs) And I remember when you said that to me, I was like, wow. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so there's so many jobs I don't think that people realize. Like, yeah, that's right. We're everything, like any situation that comes up in a hospital, that comes back to the in-charge nurse, which is your triage nurse. Um, so that's right. It could be any from a, you know, deciding on the rules for palliative care during COVID, or it could be. That's right, fixing the oxygen or the nitrous oxide runs out, like what do you do? Or, oh, my God, the power's just gone out and I've heard popcorn in the um, electrical room. What do I do? (laughs) Like, you know, there's so many, the fridges have turned off where the vaccines go and you're it. There is no one to call, like, at the time that this happens. And it it is hard, I think, that you with the experience behind myself now and that my other colleagues who are well more experienced than myself, mm-hmm. we're very lucky. But to, um, I think there is definitely room for education to uh, bring these new nurses in and give that support so they can reach the potential of what we're, like the level that we're at. Because mm. we're used to this stress and we know, that's right, you know, the diet, doing the dietitian things and the physio, like doing the exercises and initiating tri-flows and, you know, <laughs> everything like even x-ray we don't have x-ray so it's listening to a chest in the ed is very important yeah and doing a very good assessment because they don't have an opportunity for x-ray maybe for four days yeah and having a a postgrad come into that environment is very overwhelming and sometimes it can actually deter them from entering our area of expertise whereas we don't want that we actually right now are really grasping at trying to get them to come in and i think Mm we need a lot more education like we need we've got one nurse that does education one day a week and I really feel there is a missed opportunity that we could really grab her five days a week and the rewards would be endless yeah for sure and you know for people who are interested in really working highly autonomous top of scope like all of those kind of um, fantastic opportunities and you know you get such fulfillment and job satisfaction when that's the thing that drives your practice I think um, working regionally offers so much of that right because yes. you're the person like exactly as you said that chest assessment becomes so critical you know the physical as- assessment becomes so critical in really understanding what the next steps will be for the patient and so you get some fabulous opportunities that you know you just don't have access to in a lot of metro no. and if you are involved yeah, if you are involved in those in the metro, I feel like, and I've actually like experienced that myself from the other side, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a team that comes in and those nurses sort of have to stay, take that step back because you've mm-hmm. got junior doctors and other people that are trying to get that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's right. It's good. You're, you're it. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good opportunity for people to want to come out our way. Mm. So lots of exciting things. So if you're thinking about it, clearly Sarah is going to give you the encouragement to come along. Come to Warren. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a bit more about the community as well. Um, I think we touched on it a little bit before, Um, but you know, that kind of concept of 
when you know when your work and your community are the same thing and you're just kind of in this space and you just happen to be at work and happen to be at home but essentially the people you interact or interact with and the person that you are is all the same I think when you live in those towns tell us a bit about what happened to your hubby uh, yeah. Way apart. yeah, so um, on, uh, in November 2017, my fiance had a quite a significant motor vehicle accident and I was actually on shift. So I was on night shift and um, the police called and let us know that he had had an MVA. And, you know, even the Ambos, like they, they really should have taken him straight to Dubbo, but they didn't. They pulled in and picked me up. Mm. which was just fantastic yeah and then they we went straight to um Dubbo and mm. thank goodness I knew the girls from ICU and they were just beautiful and they got me on that chopper and we were retrieved to Westmead mm. and we're in the um in the recess bay one for quite some time and then mm. he went to the trauma ward yeah. of after ICU but yeah um it was you know he had a lot he has 15 specialists now and um, we have gone through the entire system and mm. I know every specialist off the top of my head <laughs> yeah, you know, so, and you also acknowledge but the girls up there it was amazing for me to see the other way around how metro hospitals work yeah um, and they're also they run off their feet they've got mm. so many um, patients and it's quite it's the hospital I got lost so many times I <laughs> And it is a different world. Tell me what what your kind of observations were of like coming into a big hospital like that. What differences you? I found um, I lost that sense of personal touch. I I didn't know the names of the nurses, unfortunately, because they changed every shift, and I was quite vulnerable at that stage. Yeah, you know, not really paying much attention just to my fiance and um, coping with what well, the situation at hand sure. and I had yeah. young kids my children were one and three so and living 500 kilometers away from me uh it's just a different way of assessing obviously um you know the outcomes were still the same but just it was my preference that I'm used to having that um very centered care like uh, family centered carers up there was very much they looked at him and you know what he needed at the time yeah yeah. yeah, and it is hard, right, when you just have so many patients and very little time. So they are really, I think, pressed. and Definitely. Um, to kind of move through the decision-making. Um, one thing you- I did find is that they had one pain specialist at Westmead overnight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's my broken man with a pelvic X fix on and can't move his arms or his legs and mm-hmm. crying. And um, he rang me, I came over there and, it was like, I think it was hours that we had to wait for a pain doctor to give him some pain relief. Yeah, and I felt, you know, at Warren, we would never have to wait that long. People generally in the ED only wait, that their waiting times are quite small because we know that we pounce on it. Like, yeah. and we're very, it's obviously on a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was another thing, like a realisation of, oh my goodness, I thought that here, like you've got so many people that you would just be seen straight away but complete opposite. I was going to say it is almost the opposite. There's so many, you know, so many more resources, but so many more patients. And so, you know, you still can't get through them all in the way that you want to in a lot of instances. Um, But it must be, I I suppose, interesting for you to observe like how the system comes together around someone when they've had a critical incident, you know, and that you've just got this kind of 
almost like machinery, I suppose, that pulls together in around a patient. So, you know, the different kind of wards that come together, allied health, radiography, you know, all of that yeah. sort of stuff, which just is, you know, you guys just don't even have comprehension or access no and that's another thing like um you know it was great there like he had all the like the brain injury unit when you saw him and the um the pelvic surgeon and the shoulder surgeon and the dentist and everyone came in but when we got home you know that's back to reality like we've got that's right accessing those services as a remote area is you know i have a whole new perspective um from dealing with this situation personally to get a specialist appointment is really hard when you live 500 kilometers away from Sydney yeah and COVID really helped with that in a way that now uh, virtual technology is really promoted for specialist appointments Um, and it has given our town a whole um, a great avenue for VC because it's really hard for a mum to take five kids down to Sydney Children's Ward for a checkup on a um on a dislocated pelvis or yeah you know it's really hard for them and I don't think people realize just how much effort it takes to get to Sydney for that check that might take half an hour yeah so having a VC and we offer that in the facility yeah so you know admin our beautiful admin they book it all in and a nurse from the community might sit in and they're supported through a VC in Sydney so that's Mm. another service that we take on in an MPS and really, like that access to healthcare um, has been a problem for some time. You know, we had the regional and remote inquiry last year that really outlined a whole bunch of the barriers for people living in regional and remote towns to be able to access healthcare. So services like that are just going to yeah. be so pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually a really good inquiry. I did watch a lot of that. And some of those stories are very relatable to MPSs. And yeah, I hope some of these recommendations come through and and improve it more for sure I couldn't agree more I think that's a really good thing to take away from this this podcast is um like uh, when I went up to Sydney last year like my entire town was watching I don't know if you looked at the comments but that was half of Warren (laughs) (laughs) They're (laughs) they're so supportive and they back us like they're they're the ones in the cheer squad saying like come on let's get some more staff yeah yeah and I've never seen a town so proactive and writing letters and telling people and shouting it from the rooftops that their nurses are amazing and we can do better to support them as a community yeah it's pretty special it's pretty individualized and special for Warren and I know other MPSs would be the same like you they'd all be sitting here right now going you know that's us too yeah um and how can we make it more positive to get people out here but I think um hopefully this podcast gets some people from the city out to the bush like that's the aim of it really like we we need their skills like for education purposes too like we um we love to have people come out and show us new ways and new techniques and new policies and yeah and continue our learning yeah yeah sure no it's a very good um kind of combination of skills coming together right I think yeah. the benefit of having people that are keen to go and work in different places sharing their perspectives it's pretty- yeah and another good thing flexibility so our management they know you you know we have a nurse manager one nurse manager and she runs the hospital mm-hmm. and we have another one which is uh 
the second line, which is the HSM, she actually runs two facilities. Mm. So very busy. And they're 50 kilometres apart, these two facilities. Uh, so different towns. So she is amazing. Yeah. And, and um, you know, if I need something with a child, or that, that flexibility is there because that manager knows that you put in 110% yeah. and they know um, that you've got children and your needs. Yeah. Whereas, so it... The other thing, like I've done other places where it's bigger and, you know, there's not that, per- they don't know who you are and maybe they've got something on that day and they say no. Yeah. And it really can make you quite upset that you're not getting that leave because it's it's quite important to you, but they might not feel it's important and they don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. So our managers in the MPSs are great and they're so multitask. That's on another level <laughs> and I don't know how they do it. No, I really crazy. don't. They need... A HSM is like, do you need to be in one facility? I don't know how they can be drawn out to two. It, it, it amazes me. Yeah, um, it's very difficult for them, I'm sure. Yeah, even just geographically travelling 100 kilometres a day. Yeah. Um, just to go to work. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So final messages for anyone that's maybe thinking about coming to work regionally? Uh, yeah, Um if you want to come out, you know, don't be scared. I know that there is a lot going on at the moment. You, Everyone's watching, everyone's listening. Um, things are getting better after COVID. I know COVID is still continuing, but things are improving slowly. Uh, the union is making well, you know, sure of that, that things are improving. And if you want something new, something exciting, if you want hands-on, if you want to get in there and, work, and learn to work autonomously, maybe it's a stepping stone to really go remote like the Northern Territory or far North Queensland. Um, this is your stepping stone, Warren MPS. <laughs> Warren MPS, in case you didn't. Know. <laughs> really or any of the MPS. Well, good on you. We're a young team and we're all motivated and happy to have any nurse that wants to come out our way. <laughs> and I'm sure the other MPSs are in the same boat. There's, a, I think there's seven, oh, there's quite a lot of MPSs in our area. Yeah, there's yeah. lots across New South Wales. Yeah. Um, we have a pretty big group of MPSs. Uh, and because we're such a big state uh, spread out, you know, with um, healthcare services across the state. So there's lots of NPSs. So for anyone that is interested, uh, I think any NPS is worth giving some thinking time to if you're interested in going to do some regional work for sure. Well, thank you, Sarah. Is there anything that you wanted to cover that we haven't covered today? I do want to say, yeah, we're getting a lot of triage ones and twos lately. Yeah, right. So far more than I've ever seen coming through ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's because of the backlog from COVID that, yeah. and because we're, we've got such a high, um, low socioeconomical population, we've got people that haven't got cars and mm-hmm. we've got people that haven't, you know, we're right now haven't got enough money to fill their car up, which is, yeah. you know, a lot of society at the moment with the world, with the financial struggles of the world at the moment. Yeah. So to get to Sydney or to get to a cardiologist appointment just isn't on the card. So, yeah. you know, they're coming in having so heart long. attacks. And so we're getting some quite heart attacks, respiratory arrests. We're getting mm-hmm. um, children that are quite unwell that couldn't get into a pediatric appointment because it's a five week wait for a medical, mm-hmm. for a medical visit. So it's quite interesting in ED to see the different variety of cases that we're getting and more than we've ever had. So mm-hmm. some of 
a chance to see all different varieties of cases, this is your opportunity. Mm, mm. And concerning, right? Like I think we've been talking about the impact of delaying healthcare through COVID. Yeah. That well, that's why with. we're actually including promotion into our ED visits, you know, have you gone here? You know, this is the benefit. We don't want to see you back here like this because it's hard on your wife or your kids to see you like this, whereas we could get you into a doctor and we can help you book that appointment. You know, we're doing an admin as well. We can, we can, let's book your cardiologist appointment before you leave because it's yeah. really important. Let's book your echo. Let's book. And these are all services that we're doing in ED. Yeah. So yeah. we don't have those um, delays in treatment. Because sometimes like out here, they just need that extra support, that extra hand in appointments. They're not that great at it. You know, they're not that, you know, they're farmers, they're at 100 k's out of town and they're not that great at booking. But if a nurse does it for them, yeah. then they will go and do it. They yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And that's all part of an ED presentation, which you wouldn't probably do in the city. No way, not at all. You know, I think it's the difference between offering that kind of really holistic service um, because you're so kind of community-based. Uh, certainly in the Metro ED, you would refer to a cardiologist or refer to a GP and the GP would then go and make all of those additional connections. So um, yeah, you, you really just do the, the kind of stabilization of care in the first instance and then refer, 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 refer is really yeah. the approach. Um, and it's mostly because, you know, you're churning through so many patients. Sometimes you don't even have time to finish whatever the particular procedure is that you're doing right there at that moment. You end up having to hand that over too. So uh, I think it's it's just a, a really different approach to how patients get care and who delivers it. And, you know, I think it demonstrates the evolution of um, people accessing the care that they need based on, you know, whatever services are around and available to them in both scenarios. Neither one or the other better or worse than the other. I just think it's really interesting and the differences are really interesting to understand. Definitely. And I will actually say, if any doctors are listening to this podcast, <laughs> please feel free to go to MPSs as well because your level of experience will skyrocket with what you're presented with in an MPS. Yeah, nice. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate having you on today. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me, Shay. I'm love having conversations with you so. <laughs> and to you as well um well look we'll let you go go and enjoy your prank hope it's yeah fun. yeah definitely oh, I probably should have said that like yeah that's why the opportunities as well getting like work have helped me supported me to do prank that's yeah. another thing like you know just because I'm in one NPS and have been here for 14 years um I'm still given opportunities in the same workplace. You know, this is a great opportunity to excel my career professionally and that's still done in a small town. Yeah. So, and how many are you on prac for? Uh, three weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, and yeah. are you doing home visits and that sort of thing? Yeah, so we're doing the universal visits and the drop-in clinics and the, the scheduled PRH child checks and, yeah. yeah, getting it all done. So learning on the learning as I go and, and really excited to learn these new things. I'm taking it all in because uh, we don't get education as much as we should. And here it's just an abundance of education. So my brain is in pure overdrive <laughs> awesome well thank you again uh i'll let you go and um hope you enjoy it and take care right i thank you shay no Bye. Problem. thanks Bye. see ya We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's continuing professional education program. 
Did you know the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association has a new online CPD portal? With over 200 free online CPD courses across a wide range of nursing and midwifery topics, plus the ability to track your learning, it's definitely worth checking out. If you're a New South Wales NMA member, just log in to the member portal, Member Central, to access this program. And if you're not yet a member, make sure you join today. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah and I look forward to being able to share more stories with you from the world of nursing and midwifery. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review to help others find the show too. If you've got a story you'd like to share with us, let us know by emailing us at theshiftpodcast at nswnma.asn.au.